Happy Mother's Day, Mom. And uh, what a great uh, day. You know, this has been a big weekend, not just because it's Mother's Day, but uh, um, Chad Balthrop, who's our executive pastor, he graduated this weekend with his doctorate. Isn't that awesome? Uh, you know, and, and God's really using his dissertation in the Tulsa area and our, among our, uh, our brothers and sisters in a lot of churches that are in decline, and I'm just really proud of him. So when you see him run around, uh, you might just say congratulations. Um, you know, um, God is building us and growing us, strengthening us. And, and you know, that's what, that's what moms have done. I, I think back of the, the, I'm thankful for the mothers in my life. You know, I, um, in this day, it, it brings a lot of emotion on a day like today. Some of you, maybe this is the first Mother's Day you're without your mom, or maybe your mom's in heaven. Um, you know, this can be a difficult day for some, but it's an important day. It's an important time to, to remember the mothers in our lives. And, and, you know, my mom and my mother-in-law that are in these two significant moms that are in my life um, have, have shaped me, have, have brought me nothing but blessing in my, in my life. And, and I've watched my wife for the last 28 years uh, shape me and strengthen me. And I've watched her walk with the Lord and, 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 you know, I've seen a firsthand, uh, example of how walking with the Lord shapes a family in, in the life of a mother. And, and I see it in mothers in our church. And I look, this is what I love about our church. We have generations of moms around here and the list is long. And, and I, I just thought about Sue Blackwood, who's, um, a, a phenomenal mother in our church, and, and Dana Rizzo, Beverly Rake, Melissa Penner, Caitlin McAllister, generations of moms that are walking with the Lord. And, and, and you know, um, may, maybe some of you haven't had that experience with your mom of walking with the Lord. You know, I, I spent time with a couple that's visiting our church uh, right now. They just started visiting our church. And um, they're both first-generation believers. And, and I don't know, I'm, a, I'm not a first-generation believer in my family. I'm a third-generation believer in my family. And, um, but, but, you know, it was, it was amazing to look at this mom uh, that I met, met with this husband and wife, and, and she grew up in an atheist home, and, 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 and yet she has come to Christ and is in this first generation. I, uh, you, you know, I, I don't know where you are, but I, I, just, I, I just want you to know, regardless of where you are in your lineage, I just want to remind you that following Jesus will make a lasting impact in your life and in your family. And this morning, we're in 1 Peter chapter 2, and though this passage doesn't necessarily uh, uh, deal with mothers directly, uh, you know, it does communicate a message I heard from my mom. She's watching right now. So, happy Mother's Day, Mom. Sorry. Um, take a little privilege right now. She's watching right now in Moore, Oklahoma. She's 87. She's going to kill me for mentioning that right now. But, um, but... And I'm thankful for my mother. But she taught me le the lesson of First Peter 2, starting in verse 9. That's where we're going to be today. And, 
And, and you know, when I think about my life, I was almost eight wrestling through the gospel message because I'm a third generation Christian in my home. And so I was around the gospel message at my church and, and people shared it with me and, 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 and the gospel message confronted me in my life and, 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 and it was not something that people kept to themselves in my life. And, and then my mom was the one that led me to Christ. My mother prayed with me and led me to, to Christ. And, 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 you know, let's remember that sharing the gospel is our responsibility on this side of eternity. It's all of our responsibility. We have a responsibility to share the gospel. And, and, um, and we can't keep this to ourselves. I, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you, but did I tell you that I'm about to be a grandfather? I don't know if I've mentioned that. Uh, yeah, we're like countdown, you know, days away from the phone call. Every, I mean, every time my phone rings in Zimli, I'm like, yeah, what's up? Ready. And, um, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, uh, as I think about watching my daughter become a mother. She's a mother right now. She became a mother the moment she conceived that little girl. And, um, and, you know, when I think about the physical birth, when, when that beautiful little girl leaves the hospital, she is gonna, she's going to be helpless and vulnerable and dependent on us. And, and, and you know what? I've thought about this a lot this week. All babies need us to look out for them. And, and they need us to protect them. From the moment of conception, they need us. And, and this is very important. And my, 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 my little granddaughter's going to need her mom and dad. She's going to need her, her family, extended family. She's going to need her, um, her church family. You know what's interesting? When, when she is born, she's going to be put in this crib, and we are going to all care for her. But you know what happens when we're born again? When we're born again, when we come to faith in Christ, um, we enter this spiritual battle. And we enter this, we, we have this responsibility to, to share the gospel. Let's keep that in mind as we look at 1 Peter 2. Stand with me and let's look at verses 9 through 12 in 1 Peter chapter 2. Very, very amazing passage of Scripture. And Peter writes this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. See, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now here's... 
something that's on my heart today. And, I, and I've thought about this. As my granddaughter grows up, I'm not going to keep my faith to myself. I'm not going to be silent about my, my relationship with, with Christ. I, I understand that it's clearly my job as, a, as, as just a, a person in her life to live the gospel in front of her, to share the gospel with her. And, and, and this, is a, this is important because and one of the things I'm praying for is for that day that she's born again. She's going to be born physically in the next, supposedly, next two weeks. But, but I'm praying also for the day that she's born again, that she comes to this faith in Christ. And, and, and I understand that, that the whole climate of her life will be different when she's born again because she'll be in the middle of a spiritual battle in that moment. And, and you know, here's what I know, that, that God equips us for the spiritual battle. And I love that little intro video that Clayton made for us because, because it, it just seems so strong. And, and when you look at what happened on the cross, when Christ went to the cross, you realize that's what makes us strong in this life. That's what gives us power in this, in this life. The cross has transformed us. The cross strengthens us. And that's important to understand. Now, now look at, in this passage, we see that, that spiritual, spiritual birth is the greatest gift we've been given. And, and I don't want you to come to this church, and I don't want you to sit here week after week or listen online every week and think that you can somehow earn your way to heaven. Salvation is a gift. New birth uh, is a gift that we receive. It's not something to earn. And the Bible's very clear on this. And look at verse 9. Let's, let's process this passage a bit this morning. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. I mean, let's think about this. The Bible, uh, this, this passage communicates that as followers of Christ, we are a distinct people. It says that we're a chosen people. There's a lot to unpack with that idea. I like what Henry Nouwen says when he says, we, we claim and constantly reclaim the truth of being the chosen ones. We soon discover within ourselves a deep desire to reveal to others their own chosenness. And I love that because, because as a, when, when I look at the, at the world we're in, you know what, last week I preached in Tulsa and, and um, Misael was here and, and you know, there's a little bit of a gap between our 9.30 service and our 12.30 service in Tulsa. So you know what I did? I, I got in my car and I drove up and down Admiral Street in Tulsa. It was packed. It was packed with people that weren't coming to church. And, and I just started thinking, oh, Lord, uh, um, I'm praying for these people. I'm praying for, for La Polga, which is the largest Spanish-speaking uh, market in the city of Tulsa, which is literally... Uh, a fourth of a mile from our church in Tulsa. And I was just praying for people and driving up and down that street and, and noticing, man, God, you have called us to communicate that chosenness. And that's what Henry Nouwen speaks of. And one of the greatest joys of being chosen is to realize that others are chosen as well. And he says, now and says this, once we deeply trust that we ourselves are precious in God's eyes, we are able to recognize the preciousness of others 
and their unique place in God's heart. And I think it's very important to understand that, that God reveals through Peter, we are a chosen people. We're distinct. But Peter goes on, and look at the passage. You're a royal priesthood. Okay, I, I mean, isn't that an interesting, uh, an, an, that's an important description of us. When I was at OBU, uh, I went to school with a prince of his country in Africa. And I was sitting in class, I was, he was always in my sociology, sociology classes because I was a sociology minor. And, and I got to know him and I was like, dude, you're a prince in your country? Cool. Um, I'm like just a, I'm from more, you know? And, and I, it was just really cool. He was, he's the priesthood in his country. But, but let me tell you something, the Bible calls each one of us that are born again, we are a royal priesthood. Now, I'm a common, I mean, my, my family were auto mechanics. But God looks at me and says, no, Chris, you're a part of a, a priesthood. Um, and and how, how do we understand that? You know, we, we kind of looked at it last week. Look back at verse 5 in 1 Peter 2. This is, the, this is what that priesthood does. This is what it looks like. And I love verse 5. It says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, offering spiritual sacrifices. Uh, was, I missed that part. You, but you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So, so the Bible talks about that this priesthood, we are like living stones. Now think about that. that is a, that's a powerful picture. That, that, that we, as, as we follow Jesus, we're walking around like rocks. Let's put that in context, in a biblical context. Remember the greatest sermon ever preached is in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's the, the sermon by Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. And he ends the Sermon on the Mount with, with this, this revelation. He says, hey, if you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, you're like a wise man who built this house on a rock. The rains came, the winds blew, it beat against that house, and it did not fall. So, so we can face this life. We can face the, the challenges of this life, and we don't get knocked down. I see this over and over again. I mean, Tony, I saw this yesterday. And your father, as I was at the hospital with him, and I'm watching the Lord strengthen him, and I walked in, he had this huge smile on his face, even though he lost his leg. Man, I was, it just, you could just see the Lord at work in his life. And it's hard, but yeah, you know what? God's strengthening him. And let me tell you something, that's what God does. He strengthens us. He empowers us. So much so that, that we're walking around like rocks. And when the rains come, the winds blow, we don't fall down. And that's why I look at the culture in front of us, and I look at the battle in front of us, and I don't want to crawl in a hole and, and go hide. You know what I want to do? Run into it. Let's go. Let's look at this culture. Let's, let's run into this spiritual battle because God strengthens us. God empowers us, and, and the Lord is with us. And if the Lord's with us, oh, my goodness, who's going to come against us successfully? Nobody. I love that. And, and look what he says. You're a, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. 
You know, you know God is doing, God is putting us together as believers. And, and our call to, to one another is deeper than our call as United States citizens. I'm grateful to live in the United States of America. I really am passionate about being an American. But I also recognize that my greatest calling is to another country. To, and that's why as believers, we meet one another and go, oh man, we got something in common because we are a part of God's family, this holy nation. And, and who is this? Look at this verse. Look, it's a people belonging to God. That's who we belong to. And, 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 and this is why Mother's Day, this is a great message to preach on Mother's Day because in Mother's Day, we, we think about our family, our legacy. And it's important to know your, your history, your background, where you come from. And as a church, we are a holy people, a people that belong to God. And let's remember our calling, which is to be ambassadors for Christ. We, we represent the Lord to, to the world where we live, in the time where we live, in the place where we live. And here we find ourselves called here to, to Owasso and Tulsa and Skyatook. And, and, and we come from all over the rural areas and the, and the suburban areas and now urban areas. And God's called us to be a holy priesthood, a, 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 a people that belong to God that live during these days. And he's going to equip us and strengthen us every step of the way. And that's why I love the church. And, and look at what he's doing. This, as the church, we're called to live life together. We're called to push one another to this clear and distinct life and this walk with the Lord. And as the church, what are we? Who are we? We are image bearers of, of God, and we represent God to the world. We, we push one another, and, and we work together in the world to serve the Lord. And, and as we do this, you know what happens? The rough edges come off. We grow up in our faith, and, and, and the natural practices of our rebellion comes together. And, and, and we have strength, and, and we can endure even on Sundays when our air conditioner is not working that great. Right? Who's a little hot right now? Me too. But, hey, this is a great—I did this on purpose. I had them turn the air conditioner off to toughen us up a bit. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But, uh, um, but it's a good example great illustration. Let's lean into that illustration today as we all sweat uh, just a bit. Uh, but I think it's coming on. I hear air blowing, so we're all excited about that. It just takes about four hours to cool, so it's really going to be cool in about, about three o'clock today. Um, but you know what happens? We start to look like Jesus, and we start to represent the world, we represent Christ to the world. Now, now look at this passage. Look at verse 9. But you're a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Notice what he says next, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, uh, man, notice that. Th that no, notice what, what he says, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Isn't that the most incredible picture of salvation? Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Isn't that what he did for me? I'm praying for the day my, my precious little granddaughter gets called out of darkness into his wonderful light. Why? Why? Because she, even though she's going to be beautiful, and even though I can't wait to meet her and see her and hold her, 
She need, she'll need Jesus. She's a sinner and needs a savior. But you know what I'm praying for that day that God calls her out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, now can I just lean into something for a second? There's a, there's a book I read recently, and it's called The um, Christ and Culture Revisited. It's a good book. Uh, it's a hard book to read. You'd have to, you gotta think about it for a while, but I'd recommend it to you by D.A. Carson. And he, he, he writes this book about our culture right now. And can I just tell you one of the, two, two of the battle lines that I see coming against us as followers of Christ? Carson articulated this for me. That his quote says, culture is not only moving away from Christianity, it's frequently openly hostile towards it. And we're seeing this. That we're living in a time when following, our culture is becoming more and more hostile to followers of Jesus. He says, and and then he, he, so I think this is important for us to realize, that we're living in a world that's grown with a growing hostility towards people of faith. There's also another pressure that we need to note, and we need to not overlook. And Carson articulates it this way. He says, um, Christianity can be tolerated provided it's entirely private. Christian belief that intrudes itself into the public square, especially if it's trying to influence public policy, is most often taken without examination as evidence for bigotry and intolerance. I'll tell you, we've seen this play out this week in our culture. And we need to understand something that's, very, that's, un, that's unfolding right before our eyes, that, that following Christ is becoming more and more hostile towards us in the church. And there's a push that you need to keep your faith private. Now, now we need to understand that that's just not possible for us. As a follower of Christ, we can't be silent about our faith. We can't live private Christian lives. And, and let's understand this, that, 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 and look, this passage speaks to this moment where we are in our culture, that, 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 that you're a chosen people. Listen to this, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And that's what Jesus did for us. That's what he did for me. He called me out of darkness and into light. Now, we've all had that experience. Have you woken up in the middle of the night when your room is pitch black and you're like, you know, you're trying to find, and, and I, the other day I was, um, we, I made the mistake of halfway opening my, my bathroom door. And so I'm like stumbling in the dark and I just go, bam, hit that door. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen for that moment, right? When I kicked it with my big toe. That was outstanding. Wonderful day. Wonderful way to wake up in the morning. But, but you know what, I, what I've discovered is that, now I don't do this because my wife's asleep usually, but, but I've discovered when my light's on, I don't run into the door. I don't. And that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. He's called us out of this stumbling, trying to find our way to calling us into the light where he shows us how to live and where to go. And that's, that's the picture here. 
And, and notice verse 10. I, I, I love verse 10. And, and verse 10 is, 1 Peter 2.10 is such a powerful passage. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And, and, and when I look at points here, and maybe I'm, I don't know if I'm in my points yet or not, but, but one of the points today is that being born again is an important and specific moment. And I want to ask you a question. Have you had your first Peter 2.10 moment? This right here is in my office, and it's a tribute to my first Peter 2.10 moment when my mom led me to Christ. This is my baptism certificate, because shortly after, my mom, I went upstairs, and I talked to my mom about my salvation, and I don't know that I'm going to heaven. And my mom shared the gospel with me, which I'd heard over and over again at my church. And, and then I was baptized um, right before my eighth birthday. And, and you know what? That marks this moment that Jesus called me out of darkness. I, see, before that moment, I had not received mercy. Now I had received mercy. And before that moment, I wasn't a people, but now, after that moment, I was the people of God. And, and I want to ask you, have you had a 1 Peter 2.10 moment? See, you weren't born a Christian. You were born lost in need of Savior. And, and let's understand this. Being born again is a gift given to you. I don't want you to come to this church thinking you can earn it. I mean, I mean, I don't want you to do that. It's a gift that's been given. It's like that old famous song that, that I learned as a, as a teenager that said, um, he paid a debt he didn't know because I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And, and you did too. And, and you know what happens with this gift when you, when you receive this gift? On the, it was on the cross that, that this gift, it changed my, my entire destiny. And, and this gift will change your destiny, your entire destiny. I mean, I mean Tony, I think it's okay to talk about you. I haven't asked you beforehand. But, but I've watched nine of Tony's family members have been, have been baptized in the last year. Nine of his family members. And it's changed their whole destiny of their family. That happened to my family when Les Wall was this auto mechanic and the Turners in, in, in the land run of 1889 come to Oklahoma because they didn't have anything. Uh, we didn't have any money. We didn't have any land. We didn't, and and my family said, hey, they're giving away land in Oklahoma. They showed up in 1889. They were probably Sooners, not Boomers, I guess. They were a little rough around the edges, my, if you know that Oklahoma history. Um, that was kind of funny, but uh, that's okay. Um, but the Turners were struggling. They were in the dark. And then Hattie Turner became Hattie Wall, married Les Wall, this auto mechanic. South Oklahoma City, hardworking, Southeast 29th Street and right off I-35 in Oklahoma City. A guy walks in and says, Les, you need Jesus. He got saved. And now, in two weeks, the fourth generation will be born. And we're going to tell her about Jesus. Change the destiny and this is what happens. And, it, and being born again, it, it, it marks this moment when, um, when, when God gives you his Holy Spirit. 
You see, that's what being born again does. It you, you receive the Holy Spirit and 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 it changes your life so much. And then look at verse 11. Verse 11 is so very cool. It says, dear, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. Isn't that an interesting picture for us? That, that God calls us to be aliens and strangers in this world. We're to look different. We're to act different. We're to, we're to be different. And this is what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. As, as aliens and strangers in the world, what do you do? You abstain from sinful desires that war against your soul. I, I love that picture. I mean, it points us into the spiritual battle. It shows that when my little granddaughter, I don't know her name yet because they haven't told us, and um, I'm mad about that. I want to know her name. I'll get over it. But, um, but, but you know what? There's going to, when she's born again, there's going to be things that war against her soul. But you know what? God's going to give her strength. And this passage points that we're aliens and strangers in the world. We're, we're called to look different. We're, we're called to a different life. We're, we're called to stand out. We're called to stand up. We're called to abstain from sinful desires. And you know, as I look at this passage, I keep thinking about that a life following Jesus, it's, it's not easy or safe. And, and I want you to know this, that, that, that when, you, when I look at this passage and I read this, and this is, a, a, the, I think, the second point in, in, that we're going to look at that I want you to write down today and consider today, that, that a life following Jesus is not easy. It's not safe. But it sure is a gospel adventure. And I don't want you to miss the joy of following Jesus. I don't want you to miss the strength of following Jesus. And, 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 and you know what's frustrating right now is I, I look at a lot of Christians that are wanting to go crawl in a hole. And for me, I'm like, no, let's not go crawl in a hole. Let's, let's step up. Let's, let's stand out. Hey, let's realize God's with us. God's calling us to this, this incredible journey of following Christ. And then this is why I pray that you get a taste of living by faith. I mean, we're starting our, our, our final ambassador season this summer with our ambassador, ambassador baseball team. And I tell these guys every time, I said, look, you know, uh, I, I pray we ruin you this summer. And we give you a glimpse and a taste of what it's like to follow Jesus in your life. Because once you get a taste of following Jesus, you got to keep following and when you don't follow Jesus, it's like, oh, man, it's just not working. And, and let me tell you, following Christ is the greatest thing you can do. And I'm grateful I had a mom that lived that out and pushed me. Chris, follow Jesus. You'll never regret it. That's what my, my, my mom always told me. Follow Jesus. You'll never regret it. And, and, and notice in verse 12. He says something so interesting. Live such good lives among the pagans. Notice that. He's not being mean here about when he's talking about pagans. What's a pagan? It's not like you little pagan, uh, you know, or some kind of derogatory statement. He's just stating a reality. A pagan is somebody that is against God, doesn't follow Jesus. And notice what the Bible says here. Live such good lives among the pagans. Let's not, let's not miss this. Peter's writing to people called to a very difficult culture that says you're to live among them. Let's not miss that. 
live such good lives among the pagans that though they may, uh, they may accuse you of doing wrong, Boy, haven't we, haven't we seen that this week? An accusation of doing wrong? As we pray for the protection of human life from conception? And it says, though they may accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. This points us to the fact that we're to, we're to serve, our, we're to love our enemy, right? We're to do good to those who come against us. Well, let's remember that. Let's not forget that, that, that as a call to follow Christ, um, we're to love those that even slander us. We're going to get into later in 1 Peter 2. I want to wait on that. Oh, man, we keep digging into that. How do we love people? But, but, oh, there's so much to, um, you know, some quick application here, if I can. Let's, these are just some things that were on my heart as I process this passage. First thing is this, that, you know, doubts take place, but God speaks to every question. Can I tell you something? Even as we follow Jesus, there will be doubts that will come up. There will be times that you'll wonder, God, are you really with us? God, are you going to strengthen us? God, are you going to help us? But, but, but I'll tell you, we're, I think about this passage as, as accusations come that we're doing wrong or, you know, uh, look, there's strength that comes. And I'm thankful for the word of God. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. And can I just tell you, no matter what doubt you have, no matter what questions you have, God speaks to those. When I look at this passage, I keep thinking, you know, conflict is certain. Conflict is certain for us, but the Holy Spirit shows up every time. Let's not forget that. That in the midst of conflict, in the midst of challenge, the Holy Spirit will show up every time. And I love Acts 1.8 as, as the disciples learned this that, and Peter learned this that, that, and heard Jesus say this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so let's remember that, that conflict is going to be certain for us. We can't avoid it, but the Holy Spirit's going to help us. Another thing that I just thought about as I processed this passage, discouraging times come, but there are other people that will help. Did you know that that's why the church is here? There are going to be times that we're going to be discouraged. There's going to be times that, that we're going to be frustrated. But, but God's given us a local church. That's why you need to plug in to life together. And, and, and I think about James 5.16, a really cool passage that says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is great has great power as it is working. And, and when I think about the, the honesty that we're to live together, to, to this push to live such good lives among the pagans, to abstain from sinful desires, we can't do this on our own. We need the church. We need one another to help us stay on track. Another thing that I just processed here with this passage, do you know the battle is real? But you have what you need to last. That we really are in a spiritual battle for this time in this community, in our nation, in our world. But can I just remind us this incredible challenge that Paul wrote when he says, finally be strong in the Lord 
and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. God's going to give us power. And then there's something I don't want us to miss here because I need to wrap this up. The last little application is winning is certain for us as believers, and the ending is going to be amazing. In this passage, God opens the window of heaven here, and I don't want us to miss it. This is one of those places that God just says, I want, you to, I want, to, I want, to, I want to just open a window of heaven and let you peek in. Notice verse, I lose the numbers when I memorize it, but notice the end of verse 12 that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Hey, you know there's a day that he's gonna visit you. There's gonna be a day that that's gonna flesh itself out in one of two ways. Either Christ will uh, wait on his return in our lifetime and he will call us home. You know, when I think about the whole debate raging in our country right now about abortion. Psalm 139.16 reveals, speaks to this. It says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You realize that there's going to be a day that every life, every person conceived will stand before God. And, and there's a day that we will visit him. He will visit us. And, and you know, as I think about this day, there's going to come a day when we'll all see God face to face. And that's when you'll understand things fully and I just pray you have enough sense to believe in him, to trust in him. And, and you know, what I pray for us, we recognize God's revealed the ending here. He's going to meet with you. He's going to meet with me. That's, an, that's a date on every one of our calendars. And, and, and you know, this is why I feel this push from Peter here. I feel this, this urgency to, to trust the Lord, to, to walk with the Lord, because, uh, look, um, following Jesus is something you'll never regret. I heard that from my mom. And, and so here's the mission life challenge. Every week we're trying to have a specific challenge. Can I challenge you to do something today? Most of you today will probably go to lunch with your family. Might be a family lunch day. So can I challenge you to do something today? Around your table, don't just talk about the softball game yesterday or whatever. That, that's okay to do. But talk about the legacy of faith that has developed in your family. 
talk about that. Maybe you're the first generation of that faith. Maybe you're the, maybe you can trace your generations. I want to challenge you to, to go around the table today. Talk about the evidence of faith in the life of your family. And as you do, I want to remind you of this. And let's, let's, let's hear this. But you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. You see, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires that war against your soul. Let's live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse us of doing wrong, they may see our good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Oh, that's what I pray our church embraces. Joe, I want you to come up. As we move into an invitation, um, I know it's a little warm today. That's okay. Um, Joe's going to lead us in a song. And let's, let's not just go through the motions. Like, like there's things we need to pray for. I mean, all of us. Maybe you need to pray for your uh, relationship with your mom. Maybe you need to pray for your children, moms. Maybe, um, maybe you just need to thank the Lord for the legacy that he's written, the story he's written in your own life. Um, you know, there's some things to pray for. We're going to have a funeral this week. Judo's going to tell you. I'll tell you right now. Um, a mom passed away yesterday in her 40s. And I sat there right before she went to be with the Lord with a hospital room full of her family. Um, this is a tough Mother's Day for them. The breezes need us to pray for them. And, and look, we need to change this. There are times that we give an invitation, I give an invitation, and, and I'm not saying that we always have to come and pray publicly because it's not about being a public display, but, but let me tell you something. There's a lot to pray for in the life of our church. There's a lot we need to seek the Lord on. There's people that are hurting. And you know what? This, this moment in, the, in our church needs to be a moment of freedom, of seeking the Lord. Because all of us have burdens and their needs. I mean, shoot, we need some people coming and praying for Harrison and the Moses. Um, man, there's, there's a lot of needs around us. 
There's a lot of, of things to take to the Lord. So let's, let's get better at leaning into this moment and, and just seeking the Lord. I think we can get better at that. And so you can kneel at your seat. That's just as cool too. But let's just not go through the motions. And let's lean into the Lord here. You know, um, we need to pray for Tony's family right now, his dad. Uh, there's lots to pray for. So let's stand and let the Lord move us and lead us. Father, so many needs right now. But you've prepared us for every challenge. So would you even move us now? And even those watching online, because I know many are, I thank you for Kelly being online and available today for those that need someone. And Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit move right now. Lead us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.